0: I became fascinated with hospitals, but I also saw that black folks and people of color, it was a whole different thing about why they came to the hospital, when they came to the hospital, and quite frankly, how they were treated at the the hospital. And this embarrassment that they were on Medicaid or on welfare, and they kind of got shifted to a special section. Uh, I just thought that there's got to be a better way and I want
1: to be a part of that. Welcome back to Danforth Dialogue, a podcast designed to unlock the wisdom of today's most influential leaders and empower the change makers of our future. Each month, Morehouse School of Medicine President and CEO, Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice, sits down with highly respected leaders to share stories of resilience and historic initiatives that have led to significant human advancements. Thank you for allowing us to invest in your leadership. In this month's episode, Dr. Montgomery Rice is joined by the CEO of Common Spirit Health, Lloyd Dean to share the motivations behind the 10-year, $100 million More In Common Alliance, an innovative partnership between each organization to significantly increase the number of minority health practitioners and help reduce health disparities in underserved communities across the country. For the first time on Danforth Dialogue, we welcomed a live audience with representatives from Common Spirit and Morehouse School of Medicine on hand to hear the discussion. Today's episode is the first of a two-part conversation around this historic alliance. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll turn it right over to Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice to kick off this conversation.
2: Good afternoon, and welcome to Danforth Dialogues. Each month, we bring you leadership insights from a wide range of guests. And today, we are pleased to have as our guest, Mr. Lloyd H. Dean the recently retired, really, CEO of Common Spirit Health. That's news
0: to me that it's happened already, but uh, I I like finding things out.
2: Common Spirit Health, which is the largest Catholic health system and second largest non-for-profit hospital network in the country. Lord, thank you so much for joining us today. As well, we are doing this in front of a live audience which we typically don't do. And so we're going to ask them to be on their best behavior. And we will uh, also leave a little bit of time for the audience to ask you some questions as you and I finish our dialogue. Well, let me say a little bit about this wonderful chapel that we're in. In 1927, the founder of the Farina Company, Ralston Farina Company, William Danforth, developed a foundation. And this foundation was focused on education. And many of the philanthropic dollars that they have contributed over the years have gone toward scholarship, really trying to educate those who wouldn't necessarily have an opportunity. So they built 24 chapels. And this chapel was built in 1955. I have a personal affinity for this chapel as my husband is a graduate of Morehouse College. And my daughter, Jane Raven, was christened in this uh, chapel some 27, 28 years ago. And so it means a lot to be here with you today, Lloyd, to really sort of reflect upon what this more in common alliance, this partnership that we have developed between our two organizations. It is only fitting that we would be here at a historic place like Morehouse College, where Benjamin E. Mays gave many leadership lectures in this hall. This is the home of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And of course, the second Black person to serve as the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the founder of Morehouse School of Medicine, Dr. Lewis Sullivan. And so before we start on our discussion about the partnership today, I would really like for you to tell the audience a little bit about your journey and something that really connects why you believe you find yourself here today.
0: Uh, First of all, I just want to say it is an honor and I'm very humbled to be sitting here in this uh, legacy and historical uh, chapel and to be on uh, this institutional Uh, campus. Uh, It's also a pleasure to be here uh, with uh, the legendary uh, Dr. Montgomery Rice, who I've um, grown to uh, treasure as not just a colleague, uh, but a friend and someone that is inspirational and has come to this great uh, institution and has already Uh, moved it to a new level, Uh, and this institution has historically been known as one of the premier, if not the premier, historical black colleges uh, in this great uh, uh, country. So it's an honor to be here with you and want to thank everyone for uh, joining us. Uh, My journey is similar to a lot of folks, I think, that are uh, in this uh, room, and I'll be brief. Uh, you know, I come from a family of uh, nine kids, uh, seven brothers, and uh, two sisters, and I like to tease that my mother got it right at the end with the two sisters. Uh, and one of my sisters is here uh, uh, today. Uh, we are all a product of uh, what uh, many who have attended and will attend uh, this great institution, if you go back into their a uh, history of my parents when my dad, when he got out of service, my mother was from the south, and like many African Americans, moved north uh, because there was opportunity. And we grew up in uh, Michigan because, as you know, the auto industry, uh, and there were factories in my town that uh, many, many African Americans migrated to because they could get uh, jobs and better uh, opportunities. But the community that I grew up in. Uh, We didn't have public resources uh, within our uh, community, so you know when I um, talk about uh, healthcare, uh, I always tease. My mother was the physician, and my my dad was uh, uh, the doctor. I I mean, was the 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 nurse, uh, and we just didn't have access. My father didn't have any uh, insurance and factories and those kinds of things, so. Early on in my life, uh, because I was bused to uh, uh, a middle class, upper middle class, as we all were, and we were like one-tenth of .1 in terms of people of color, African-Americans that were bused uh, to our school. So I early on saw the contrast uh, between the life, the health uh, that uh, some of my friends, uh, parents in their community, Experience and the ones that 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 I experienced, and there was no such thing of uh, being having access to preventive care. Um,
2: but you did have castor oil. Oh, see, oh you yeah, yeah, I, right I right told right him right
0: this. I told the.
2: You did I, have castor Yeah, yeah I, I had
0: the good. I had the privilege of uh, addressing <laughs> the, the board this morning, and I was talking about uh, how I grew up, and I said, you know, um, you know, with my father, it was simple. The treatments, uh, no matter what element you had. You got two, two two tablespoons of castor oil, uh, and for those of you that don't know what castor oil is, you take a <laughs> tablespoon, uh, you'll get the same now, effect. We're
2: not recommending yeah. that to the audience, yeah, yeah. so let's but, be very But clear.
0: You'll, you'll get the effect of two, um, uh, of two, and um, you know. But the you know on a serious note, uh, it was clear that there was something happening to people in my community that wasn't happening to the community that I was uh, bused at, and things that we talk about now, like life expectancy and those kinds of things. But when you're growing up, you know there's a difference, but you don't know what to do uh, about it. And we didn't know about health inequities. We didn't know about health disparities. But one thing I did know was that we didn't have the same kind of access uh, that others. And whether we admit it or not, and I know you know this, Dr. Rice, We are a product of the environment and of our journey uh, of of, of life. So somewhere in uh, my uh, commitment, dedication, and my parents' uh, vision about the importance of faith, the importance of church, we grew up uh, in uh, a church environment. And even though we didn't have much, uh, we never let that and my parents never let that right, be right. a deterrent to that. You know, we, we had to do good in school. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to be respectful and we had to have uh, faith as a part of our life. So how does that get to the bottom oh. line of your question? Uh, I am a product of my uh, in in environment. And I when I went off to college, uh, I think I was the first one from my community to go to a four-year college. Um, I've talked about the environment and being on welfare on and off when the factories uh, shut down and stuff. But my mother gave me $50, $50. I'll never remember, always never forget her reaching and where she hid her money. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and they there's special places.
0: Yeah. A special place tied up in a special rag. <laughs> uh, uh, and, it, and it's a true story. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, uh, I said, you know, thank you. And I knew what $50 meant with, uh, to her. Uh, and I said, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with my rest, the rest of my life, but I promise you, I'm going to try to do something good. And I'm going to try to do something that will make it easier for my brothers and sisters and something, do something good. And she just said, just do good. Just do a good. So I never, ever lost sight of that. For her to give me that $50, it was like her giving me $5 million because we just didn't have that kind of money. So, mm-hmm. one, so I've always thought about, what could I do to have impact? And what did I remember about my life that I didn't like? And one was uh, access to health care, and the other one was that I never had a teacher of color, mm-hmm. and but when I got into sports, I would go to others' environments, and they had teachers of color. I never, ever, ever had an, a black teacher or an African American uh, teacher. I saw one, the Brightwells, when I was basically graduating mm-hmm. from high school. So with that, and this is an all-in. In my whole career, I've had two disciplines or passions or calling. One was education. When I got graduated from undergrad, I started uh, teaching school. What do you think manifested that? I never had a black teacher. And I go, why? 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 I could be a good teacher, I think. Mm-hmm. The second thing was I watched what my mother went through. I watched what my community went through. And I was always embarrassed that other kids would get out of school Get a pass to go to the dentist. Uh in my family, my father was the dentist. Uh he would give you this little piece of rag soaked in whiskey and have you bite down on it and himself pull your teeth, your tooth. Uh oh, you, that I guarantee you you'd never forget. Um so so uh Dr. Rice. That was the beginning of my passion about healthcare. That was the beginning of my passion about uh, education. And when you put the two together, I think it fast forwards you and I to sitting here.
2: So when you think about this journey that you've been on, and, and, and this series is really about leadership. And so where was the light bulb moment when you recognize that you could actually do something about there not being enough black teachers or physicians or healthcare providers or social workers, and you could do something about yeah. some of the social determinants of health that may influence people's ability to access to health care or to quality health care. When early in your career or along the way, when, when was that light bulb moment? Uh,
0: a couple of things, a couple couple of touch points on, on my journey. Uh, one was when I uh, got into high school, um, you know, and I was, you know, begin to tar- start reasoning and analyzing um, what I would need to do to make life better for my community and for my family, quite frankly. Uh, driven, And I said, okay, one thing that I could do is um, I want to do something in health and health care. Um, on the education front, I mentioned um, I didn't have a teacher of color. And I go, I don't want, you know, why? You know, why? why?" So that drove me. In. But then when I was in college and after I did that, I was uh, uh, president of the student body, uh, I met a guy that was on the board who was uh, became the chairman and president of the Upjohn Pharmaceutical Company, which is now a great part of uh, Pfizer. And one day after the student, you know, after the board meeting, the college board meeting, um, he said, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. He said, you know, we I watch you at these board meetings, and I know you're just a student, but he said, and I know that education is your thing, but he said, have you ever thought about doing something else mm-hmm. on a bigger scale. And actually, at first, I got offended because I go, well, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm already a, bigger a big scale, deal. <laughs> from my community, I'm a pretty big deal right now. <laughs> what do you mean, uh, on a bigger scale? He said, no, I think you have leadership talent. Um, I think you have this uh, understanding about you know, and you seem to have this calling and this passion about helping other people and trying to, whether it's on this campus, do things better or different. And people listen to you. And he said, I see that. Even, you know, you're the student representative to the board and we listen at you as much as, and want your opinion as much as we do other board members. And something clicked in my mind. I go, wow, I might be able to that stuff that I dreamed about. Uh, because growing up, um, I didn't have community mentors. Uh, the greatest mentor I had was my, my pastor. And the other mentor in my life was my mother. So it just kind of clicked that this guy thinks that I have something and can do more. And I used to stay up, sit upstairs dreaming because I I couldn't buy the stuff that I wanted or help my family get to the life. So I would dream, but I would dream of me doing something that had greater impact than for myself and for my family. And that, uh, Dr. Rice, is what, what drove me to this. Now, specifically to healthcare, after going through all the training at the Upjohn Company and that kind of stuff, and and part of it was visiting hospitals.
2: Mm-hmm. And so, what was that position? What, what was your first position? Well, my first
0: position was an assistant manager trainee in, in a pharmaceutical company, in a pharmaceutical train. And part of what that was was learning how the doctors in this room would know detail go call on physicians and go call on uh, groups of physicians to try to sell them product uh, for the, from the Upjohn. Uh, Company. But one of the things that I was blessed to to be able to do was to visit a lot of hospitals. I became fascinated with hospitals, but I also saw that uh, black folks and people of color, uh, it was a whole different thing about why they came to the hospital, when they came to the hospital, and quite frankly, how they were treated at the the hospital. And this embarrassment that they were on Medicaid or on welfare, and they kind of got shifted to a special section. Um, And uh, I just thought that there's got to be a better way, and I want to be a a part of that. So that was where I really got the passion. That was where I really started. And I became, you'll love this, Um, I became, I moved from an assistant regional manager to a regional manager. And my boss became I became his boss, which was a interesting thing <laughs> because I outperformed him. Then I moved to uh, being like a, a regional for a region of the United States, and then I became um, uh, an EVP of all of the U.S. and then all of North America. So
2: they were seeing leadership traits with you, and and so let's talk about some of those characteristics or those traits that you think. That that up up John uh, executive or whoever was sitting in the boardroom saw in you as a student leader, and then as you were going up the ranks, what do you what were those characteristics that you think that were being demonstrated that got you to where you could move in
0: the organization? Uh, great question. Um, I would say the following. Number one is that, and this even goes back to my childhood. For every opportunity that I had and everything I was involved in, I tried to be the most prepared. So I did my homework. I did the, 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 the studying. Number two, I was inquisitive um, because nobody comes and knocks on your door and said, Hey, you're going to be a leader. Come on in here at, into the boardroom. If I, I would ask people, uh, In other executives, I'm just this little one. Even when I was an assistant regional manager, could I join that meeting just to go listen? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or can I work on this project? I tried to gather knowledge. Number three is I tried to listen, watch, and learn from those who were in those uh, positions. Number four, I tried to observe how did they get there? What what do they have skills, experiences that I don't have? And and I did see some. Number one, they were articulate, the, the ability to communicate. Number two, everything that they seem to have been given, and, and the opportunities that I was given to work on projects, this issue of accountability, mm-hmm. the ability to get things done. Uh, number four, was the realization, and I want everybody to hear me on this, that it's to, in in larger opportunities. It's not so much about what you do or what I do. We have a job to do, but it's about your ability to get things done through other people. These jobs are too big. The accountabilities are too complex. The other thing that I um, that I think. You know, in terms of leadership, I've tried to uh, copy, to, to learn, and I think it becomes a, kind of a part of who you are in your, your DNA is how you treat other people. And that to realize that you're only one spoke on the wheel. And that if you, if you understand aerodynamics, if one spoke is weaker, Than one spoke, the wheel will wobble and collapse. If one is stronger or built out of line with the others, uh, it the wheel will not turn. And the other thing that I've learned is the inversion of what we think of the leadership hierarchy. The most important person in Common Spirit Health is not Lloyd Dean because he sits in the CEO Mm -hmm. role. It's the individual on the front line who bring health and health care alive. That's who's And in, didn't in we important. learn
2: that in this During last this, two years? Yes. That it was those people on the front line, it was those people who would continue to deliver our groceries, pick up our trash, take care of our kids. Didn't we learn the importance of those people on the front line?
0: And one of the greatest lessons that I've um, learned and uh, I think uh, I hope that others can align themselves uh, with is that in business, in leadership, the more successful the people around you and that work with you are, the more successful you will be. But if you think it's about you, it's going to be a short uh, uh, career. And the power of team is just critical to success. And then the last thing I would say is um, going back to accountability, um, you have to have the courage. If it's for somebody on your team, it's not a fit. No matter how much, what kind of credentials they have, no matter how experienced they are, if, if they are about them and they don't understand culture, the power of listening, um, you know, team dynamics. One of the hardest lessons we learn in leadership is you have to find them. You have to help them find a place mm-hmm. for them but it could not be it can for sure be a place that's not with your organization mm-hmm. or your team the mm-hmm. hardest part about being a leader and you know this mm-hmm. is when you have to tell someone uh, good intentions but wrong opportunity in mm-hmm. wrong location and that was hard for me to learn because I lo- I love people and I'm Give people the last um, uh, chance, but you have to put. And, and I, I, I watch you. Um, everything that you do, you put the Morehouse School of Medicine and its objectives at the forefront of that. And every, and you measure every decision. You measure every executive in what they do and how they do it in their accomplishment toward the objectives of the Morehouse School of Medicine. You've been a good uh, mentor for me on that. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the essence of leadership.
2: And, and Lord, I think thank you for that. And I, I think you and I both would agree that um, either one of our successes or any success is really made possible by the efforts of others. It is really uh, true, that none of us get to where we are going solely on our own. It takes a lot of people connecting the dots for you, filling in the gap. And so, you know, I know you and I are faced with the complexity of healthcare. And I would like to ask you how do you pull out the best in others? when we know that not only our individual success depends on that, but the success of the organization depends on it. How do we as leaders pull out that best in others? Yeah.
0: And I would say the, the table stakes or the launching pad has to be that people have to have the experiences, the training uh, and the desires and the skills to do their job. But that's, that's the, that's just the table stakes. That's, to just, they're in the job. And I think as a leader, as a CEO, as a president, but as any uh, leadership role, now the next part is to number one, help them understand what it is that we organizationally or ministerially are trying to accomplish. Number two, to make sure that they have the values um, and understand the vision, but seeing that, Number three, as a leader, part of your job is to make sure they have the resources, resources. to do okay. their job. Um, and then the measurements. what are the measurements of success? Because if you just tell people to go out and do good, uh, they'll they'll do all kinds of stuff, and it might not be good. Uh, <laughs> may you, not be good for you, you- <laughs> for good right Good for the organization or good uh, for for us as leadership. So I think you have to be clear about what it is that we're trying to accomplish, but then to the individual. I mean, I even ask people in different ways. OK, you're trained. you got all these degrees. You've been in all of these jobs. What do you think you can help accomplish here? And what do you bring to the table? And what do you see? Now, You know, I know what your job description says but what is motivating you and driving you and how are you going to help lead the Morehouse School of Medicine, Common Spirit Health, better because you're in that seat. Because if people can't articulate that, then I have to start wondering, should they be in that seat? Because I want people that are willing to commit themselves wholeheartedly uh, to that. And then the last thing, and this goes back to your question about good leadership. Leaders have to learn when to be quiet and to get out of the way. And I use the the example of, only because the Kentucky Derby was recently, uh, about the difference between uh, horses. Uh, thoroughbred racehorses, they're trained. If you train them right, they will run until they collapse. That's just the way they're trained. There are other uh, uh, horses that and you know them they're trained to run run like a one uh circumference of the land. they go they they run they get they train them to go 110 uh, feet and, and and it's a different kind of a sequence training they will do that no matter what you do they're not going to run any more than that and i think about leadership like that i want racehorses but I want racehorses that can, can run like a, the horses on a wagon team. Mm-hmm. You know, that takes yeah.
2: coordination.
0: coordination, integration, trust. and trust. Uh, and that, to me, is a part of leadership. And then my last example, uh, the people here on my team will say, yeah, we've heard that one, um, <laughs> is about if you understand, if any of you ever watch sled racing, um, you, know, there's, you, know, you know how the dogs are. There is a lead dog that has one responsibility, and there's the dog at the end. And this gets back to my motivation. I've always wanted to be the lead dog. Because if you're the lead dog, you can see everything and you can determine where the sled goes. But think about sled racing. If you're that last dog, your view never changes. And you know what that view is? You're looking at the, pr- the dogs in front of you, shall we say, backside. <laughs> I don't want to be looking at the backside. I want to see and to help navigate where the sled should go. And I do apply that to leadership because I think great leaders or most leaders understand it's an honor and a gift to be leader but you but it's also a lot of responsibility because you have to decide where that sled's going to go
1: thank you for listening to another presentation of danforth dialogues with morehouse school of medicine president and ceo dr valerie montgomery rice today's discussion was the first of a two-part conversation with lloyd dean the CEO of Common Spirit around the more and common alliance between the two organizations. Stay tuned for next month's episode to hear the final part of this historic conversation. Subscribe to Danforth Dialogues on your favorite podcast app to receive new episodes straight to your feed every month and help us empower future leaders by rating this show on Apple Podcasts, plus sharing it with a friend If you have any suggestions on future guests or content that would best equip leaders, we would love to hear your ideas. Simply email us at danforpdialogues at msm.edu. The world needs your courageous leadership now, more than ever. So thank you for being the type of leader that chooses to step up and not back.